That's me. I'm Kelly. Uh, I have the privilege of leading this community in worship through music, usually. Um, today I'm going to lead in a different way that is much less comfortable for me. Um, but I know that I belong to a grace-filled community. And so uh, you're my brothers, my sisters, my family. I can stand up here and share about God's love and share about uh, what he's done in my life. Um, and I know that you'll receive it with, with grace. Uh, and uh, if you're a guest with us, don't worry. I'm not the usual guy. So, <laughs> so um, I want to start uh, in the spring of 2014. Um, I was pretty new to ministry. Uh, I was just getting started at Missio uh, on staff. Um, I was also a new dad. Um, and uh, as a staff, we decided to go on a uh, Silence and Solitude retreat. And so we went up to the Abbey at Mount Angel. And uh, while we were up there, we were having these like sessions of, of solitude. Um, and during one of those sessions, um, I decided to walk the Stations of the Cross that they have up there. And I have a, a picture of uh, kind of what that looks like if you want to visualize this with me. Uh, so there's this beautiful path through the woods, and along the path there's these different stations of the cross. And um, I didn't really know much about the stations of the cross. It was the first time I'd ever walked it. Um, and uh, so I just started at the bottom of the hill and was working my way up. And as I looked at these pictures of Jesus as he was going along the path from the garden all the way to the grave, um, I was really struck by uh, the fact that Jesus knew what was at the end of that road for him, right? Like, he, he knew that at the end of that road was uh, death and actual separation from his father, uh, which for him is, is the greatest punishment, was that separation. Um, and I just, as I was thinking about that, I just heard really clearly uh, from Jesus that he did that because he loved me. And it's really simple uh, and yet really profound and it just hit me in a way that it hadn't hit me before, uh, how much Jesus loved me. And I, and I just, I was just weeping. If you know me, that's normal. Uh, I just was weeping. I, I went all the way back up to my, my room and I'm sitting there in this session. We're supposed to be processing kind of what we did. And I'm just crying. He loves me. He loves me. You know, everybody's like, okay, dude, like we know. Um, but it, you know, it was just, it was so, deep and simple and yet profound and, and i'll remember it for the rest of my life just just he loves me you know and so fast forward to this last summer i was on sabbatical and part of what i did was i i went up to the abbey again i stayed the night up there and i did kind of my own personal silence and solitude retreat and i decided to uh walk the stations of the cross again and uh i took this picture uh this time and um I was uh, getting started on them, and, and you can see the, the title uh, of each station was written in German there uh, for some reason. And uh, uh, the, even the, not only that, I actually know a little bit of German, but the font is like really weird too, right? I mean, like I'm even looking at that first word, I'm like, Jeefus? Like what? You know, so I was like, okay, I want to know what they actually say, right? And so I looked up on my phone, I looked up this little like Stations of the Cross guide, and I was kind of reading them in English as I was going along. And um, <clears throat> this time I was struck uh, right around like stations like four, five, six, where, where Jesus is, is being uh, condemned and, uh, and beaten 
uh, for these things that, that just weren't true. I, I was just like blown away by the injustice of it. And Jesus is just like silently taking this punishment that he didn't deserve. And um, there's an alarm going off somewhere. Cookies are done. Uh, and I, this, is what, this is what I heard from the Holy Spirit this time. I'm thinking about the injustice of this. And the and, and, uh, Holy Spirit comes and says, Kelly, my beloved son, I patiently endured this suffering for you, and I want you to patiently endure suffering on behalf of your son. So this really resonated with me because, you know, Becky and I, uh, just in a season of just, it is tough with our son, you know? Um, and so it, again, as you can see now, like I just, just the weeping came again, you know? So I had these really two very meaningful times of walking sort of the way of the cross. You know, the first time this just deep understanding of like, Kelly, I love you. And then the second time, this really deep, call of like love your son like i've loved you um so you know i dom knows all my all my secrets you know so so when we're doing the stations of the cross series he, he taps me like hey i know you've had deep uh you know uh connections with the with the uh the way of the cross like would you come and, and do a, a message and uh so here i am and uh the heart of this series the way of the cross is to prepare our hearts for Good Friday and Easter. Like Vicky said, uh, we've just started the season of Lent, and it's a season of preparing our hearts for the big one, right? For, uh, for what Jesus did for us on the cross, and then what he did for us in victory over the grave. And that is a beautiful story in and of itself. And, um, but I think what we were hoping for in this season of preparation for that is to really delve even deeper into all of the things that led up to that point. Because as we do that, we really get a bigger and fuller picture of Jesus' love for us and also the way that he calls us to live uh, as he walked that journey. So, um, so that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, so far uh, we have seen Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we saw him betrayed and arrested. Uh, we saw him condemned by uh, the Jewish council. Uh, and then we saw him denied uh, by Peter, uh, one of his closest disciples. And uh, today, uh, we are going to pick up the story at uh, Jesus being judged by Pilate. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 15, uh, starting with verse 1. Jesus delivered to Pilate. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, uh, he used to release, Pilate used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. 
And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests had done their work. They stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. And so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them instead Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So Pilate, he's this Roman-appointed governor of Judea. Uh, he represents Rome. He represents the, the people that have sort of conquered this area, right? He's in charge. He's in charge of keeping law and order. He's in charge of keeping the peace in, in the area. And uh, so they bring Jesus to him, and Pilate can't find any fault in Jesus. Uh, he even tries to release him back to the crowd, uh, but they've been stirred up by the Jewish religious leaders, and they're insistent that Barabbas be released instead, and they want Jesus to be condemned and crucified. So Pilate's faced with a decision. He can do what he knows is right, which is release an innocent man. But if he does that, he might be endangering his own position of power. And so what he does is he gives in to the will of the people, and he gives in to the temptation to use his power for self-preservation, like many people would. Uh, and so Pilate hands Jesus over to be scourged. In other words, uh, to be whipped and beaten with sticks. So now I want to continue with the story, um, picking up right where we left off in Mark chapter 15. Uh, this will be 16 through 20. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed Jesus in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him, fake homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. This is a, an image of uh, what's happening there. And, and most of the time when you walk the Stations of the Cross, there are images that represent each station. And they're meant to um, just help you further visualize uh, and enter into the story of what's going on. So here we see Jesus being scourged and mocked uh, by Pilate's soldiers. And I'm not going to go into the gory details of what it means to be scourged. Most of us have probably heard it before. Um, but I will say that it was nasty enough that sometimes it was fatal. And as if the physical pain of that wasn't enough, the soldiers went even beyond that to mock Jesus ruthlessly. They dressed him up and they pretended to pay him homage as king which I would imagine was especially frustrating and, and crazy to Jesus, because Jesus is the king. Jesus was the king, is the king. And we know that, right? So it's, it's like, not only was he going through all this physical pain, but he's being mocked for, for being what he actually is.
So these soldiers, um, they're not Roman like legionnaires. Like you can tell, they're not they're not dressed up in like the full Roman army with like the red stuff on their helmet and all that stuff. These guys are uh, what would be called auxiliaries. They were actually just recruited by the Roman government from kind of the surrounding areas. So uh, Phoenicians, Syrians, Samaritans. I don't know if those words mean anything to you, but they didn't mean a lot to me. But what I read was that those, those people had no love for the Jews. They, they had a long history of hating the Jewish people, and there was a lot of enmity on both sides of that. Um, and they were also people that were under Roman oppression and under Roman rule themselves. Um, but the Roman government had recruited them and given them just a little bit of power. And uh, we can see that they jumped at the opportunity to flex this power and take out their own hurt and pain on Jesus. And through all of this, Jesus patiently endured. So at this point, you might be wondering, like, what, what does this have to do with me? Like, how, how can I see myself in this story? I think it's pretty safe to say that none of us have been a part of anything like this um, on either side of what's going on here. Um, so I thought a lot about that. And one of the things that I thought about that I felt was helpful was to consider the power dynamics that are at play uh, and what's going on here. And when I say power dynamics, I have a quote uh, from Blaise Pascal, a uh, philosopher and um, I think also a, a chameleon uh, in Tangled. I think maybe that was Pascal. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I can't help but think in turn. I'm a dad, you know. Um, so this is, this is the quote. It says, justice and power must be brought together so that whatever is just may be powerful and whatever is powerful may be just. This is a deep quote. There's a lot going on here, but I think one of the things that we can take from this and one of the things that we've seen to be true over the course of history is that when you have power without justice, it always leads to oppression and abuse. When you have power without justice, it always leads to oppression and abuse. When we look at this story, we can see Pilate, a person of pretty significant power in this situation. And he wields his power for self-preservation, not for justice. He doesn't want to risk his position. He doesn't want to risk uh, an uprising. And so he just does what he has to do to satisfy the people, it says. Uh, we also see the soldiers wielding some power. They didn't have nearly as much power as Pilate, but they had a little bit of power, and uh, they decided to wield that against Jesus. They took out um, their anger. Uh, they took out probably their hatred of themselves in a lot of ways on Jesus, uh, who represented something that they hated. Essentially, they were bullies. And then we see Jesus, right? And Jesus, as we know, had power that would have dwarfed the power of all of these other people, right? I could call down a legion of angels. Um, and yet, what does he do? He 
patiently endures. And in Jesus' patient endurance, we see Jesus embody absolute surrender. But don't be confused. Jesus is not surrendering to the power of the soldiers. Jesus is not surrendering to the power of Pilate. Jesus is surrendering to the one absolute, true, and just power. He's surrendering to the will of the Father. We saw it in the garden, right? When Jesus prayed, he said, please, take this cup from me, but let your will be done, right? Jesus is in a constant state of surrender to the power of the Father, of surrender to the will of the Father. Because Jesus knew this about justice and power. He knew that God is the absolute power in the universe. Jesus knows that God is absolutely true and absolutely just. God's way, or the way of the cross, is not always obvious. It's rarely attractive, and it's often unexpected. But if we desire to follow Jesus and to taste the goodness of his kingdom, we too must surrender to the way of the cross. We too must surrender to the will of the Father. And so, again, you might think, well, how? How do I do, like, what does that look like, right? I was thinking that. Like a week ago, I was like, what kind of, what, you know, what story do I have that I can share? And, and I, I didn't really feel like I had anything that was connecting. And God, in his gracious uh, wisdom, uh, presented me this week with an opportunity to practice patient endurance. Uh, he does that, right? Um, I come up here thinking I'm going to teach you guys something, right? And then, and then God says, wait, let me teach you something. Uh, so this is what happened. Uh, this, is, this is a story about me and uh, my eight-year-old son, uh, Danny, is in this story. And uh, I want to tell you about my process as we went through this together. Oh, gosh, really, already? Um, and I, sh I just want to ask you to hold Danny's part in love and grace. Um, in my part, too. Um, so as I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, Becky and I are in a season of, of really trying to learn how to handle both our emotions and my son's emotions uh, in a loving and grace-filled way. And uh, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, in, on Monday this week, uh, we chose to uh, take away uh, some shirts that Danny wanted. He had ordered these like blank tank tops and he wanted to turn them into basketball jerseys and he was having some real tough behavior so we decided to take those shirts away for the for the day and um in response to that uh he decided that he was and i quote done with this family i'm running away um and and he grabbed his coat and he just marched out the front door right into the cemetery um if you've been to my house that sentence makes sense. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, I don't have time to get into it, but yeah, there's a cemetery right out, right out the front door. Uh, so he just marches out there, right? And, I, and I'm sitting there, and I, so I've got a decision to make, right? And, and honestly, uh, 
my, my first thought, uh, which I, you could describe as fight, right? It was to just run out that door, grab him, put him under my arm, like I'm still big enough and he's still small enough. I could just grab him and march him right back into his room, put him in his room and show him who was boss, right? Because I'm the boss. My second thought uh, could be described as flight, uh, but it was to say, fine, go. I'll see you in like five minutes when you realize how cold it is outside and you get hungry because it's pretty much dinner time. And when you give up, I'll see you back here. Both of those options were very attractive uh, in, in the moment. I, I, I would almost even say that they were seductive in their feelings of power and perceived righteousness and, uh, and even revenge a little bit for just getting back at him for some of the pain that he's putting me through, right? But as I thought about what to do and I desperately tried to hold on to my cool, Deep breaths. I heard very clearly in my mind, and I really believe looking back on this, that this was the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit was presenting a third way. Not fight, not flight, but a third way. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He needs to know that you care that he left. I know that was from the Holy Spirit because I didn't give a flying you-know-what about what he cared about. So I grabbed my coat and I laced up my walking shoes and I went right out into the cemetery and I just, I just followed him. And um, I just followed him at a distance, um, you know, just where I could basically see him. Um, and, you know, he, he's kind of walking and then he, he's looking over his shoulder. He sees me and he kind of hurries on a little bit and... Uh, you know, every, every couple of minutes, he's just checking to see if I'm still there. And, and then at one point, he actually goes down and he hides behind this big bush. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm sitting there and I, I can see he's behind the bush. I can't see him, but I know he can't get out from behind it without me seeing him. And, and so I, I, just, I just sat down in the wet grass and leaned back against the tombstone and... Uh, well, I pull out my phone, I, I open Spotify, and I have this playlist called Worship in Times of Trouble, and I put that on, um, and I'm listening to it, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking about what, what the heck I'm doing, and, uh, and this, that song, Reckless Love, comes on, and, and I just sit there, and you know, I'm listening to these lyrics, like, there's no shadow, you won't light up, there's no mountain, you won't climb up. There's no wall you won't kick down. There's no lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. So I'm just, you know, tears streaming down my face. I'm just sitting there in the cold. Eventually he gets up, keeps walking. In it. I mean, we were out there for probably like an hour. I'm just, I'm just following him around. And finally, I see kind of like the front of his jacket. And I know that he's like kind of for the first time, he's really turned to like look at me. And so I just hold my arms out like this and, and I just kind of slowly start to walk toward him and he starts to come towards me and I hit my knees, I wrap my arms around my boy and I just tell him, I love you and I want you to come home. 
And he says, uh, I love you too, but you won't give me anything that I want. I said, I know, buddy, like, I know it's hard, but, you know, there's rules and there's consequences. And when you break the rules, like, we, ha we have to have these consequences and I still want you to come home. And he says, okay. And he grabs my hand and, uh, and we start walking home. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, like, we did it, you know. And we get, we're almost back to the house and he goes, are you going to give those shirts back to me? I, I said, nobody, not today, you know, like we took them away. It's, you're not going to get those back today. And he just stops. He drops my hand, turns around, walks back into the cemetery. And I'm like silently lamenting the loss of my neat, happy ending that I worked so hard for. But I turn around and I, and I follow him into the dark, you know, it's pretty dark at this point. Uh, as I follow him, like, I can just make him out, right? And I can see him, like, there's, you know, it's, cemetery's wet and muddy, and there's these puddles, and he's going to the puddles, and he's stomping his feet in the puddles. You know, he's finding this really good muddy spot. He's just rubbing his shoes in the mud, and I, and I, and I know what he's doing, right? Like, I know he's trying to, to get under my skin. <laughs> but I just, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in my head, but I, I silently... Uh, followed him and I didn't say anything you know eventually he turns around and he says again why won't you just give me what I want I said I know it's hard son but just please come home and so we walk back to the house and it's it doesn't feel as good this time there's there's kind of a sullen silence um and you know we come home and eat dinner and you know kind of through the whole rest of the night it's sort of this like you can feel that we're off, you know, like that sort of sullen, silent feeling kind of through the rest of the night. And we, we get to bedtime, and I'm putting him to bed, and um, I said, uh, Danny, what do you think it would be like if you were still out there right now? He thought for a minute, and he said, I think I'd be really cold. I said, yeah, and probably be pretty hungry and pretty scared too, right? He was quiet for a long time, and then, and then he said, Dad, would you still be out there too? Yeah, buddy, I'd be out there too. I want to show you another image. This is one that... Uh, my sister-in-law sent this to us. They're, um, they're going through a tough time in their family, and they've been uh, just really blessed by this image, uh, found a lot of peace and solace in it, and so they were sharing it with us, and I, I looked at this image. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, there's my boy stomping around in the mud. There's me behind him, you know? I think it's even in the cemetery, you know? The good news is that this is how Jesus loves us. Now, I'd like to 
bring back the image that I showed earlier, and I want to show you these two images uh, side by side, and I want to propose this thought. These images are the same. Jesus embodies patient endurance on our behalf out of his deep love for us. And Jesus calls us to patient endurance in our lives that we might experience the joy of living uh, in his kingdom. I know a lot of you aren't parents. And even those of you that are, maybe your kids don't run away. But I would propose that all relationships and all systems have power dynamics at play. Those of you that are in middle school and high school, I think you know what I'm talking about. There are certain kids at school, and they have power. And how do you see them use that power? Do they use it for truth and justice? that they use it for self-preservation, self-elevation. In your places of work, you've got managers, uh, you've got bosses, and how, how do they wield their power? Are they wielding it for truth and justice and, and out of love for the people that are under them? Or are they just interested in self-preservation? So as you hear all this, um, I hope it's becoming clear where we are in this story and how Jesus calls us to live in response to this. But this is what I'm thinking. I'd like you to just take a moment and think about your relationship with Jesus right now. Are you running from him? Are you looking back over your shoulder to see if he's still there? Maybe you're even hiding behind a bush and you're wondering, did he give up on me? Did he head back home without me or is he still there waiting? I can tell you with certainty, he's still there. Jesus is with you and he wants you to come home. Jesus has all the power in the universe, and he always, always stewards it in pursuit of us, his beloved children. So what does it look like for you to turn back to Jesus and to fall into his arms? Secondly, I'd like you to take a minute to consider relationships, positions that you might be in where you would hold power. Is there one simple way that you can choose to wield your power for justice, for truth, for the good of someone else? And uh, lastly, uh, where is God calling you to patient endurance? Remember, this patient endurance is surrender, but it's not surrender to injustice, to the sin of others, or even to the suffering uh, or grief that you might be facing. 
Our patient endurance and our surrender is to God and His will. So looking for the third way, not fight, not flight, the third way of the cross. So what does patient endurance look like for you this week? I'd love for you to uh, <clears throat> take some time to wrestle with these questions. Um, even pull out your phone, um, take a few notes, and uh, just think about what God is saying to you in this moment and what you might want to do in response to that. As you do that, we're going to move into a time of communion um, where Jesus is inviting us to come to receive his love and to follow him in the way of the cross. So as the worship team comes up to lead us uh, in response to God's word and in response to the way the spirit is moving today, uh, I would love to just pray for us. If you'll pray with me. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you steward your absolute power in pursuit of relationship with us. Thank you for your deep, deep love that overcomes every obstacle in pursuit of our hearts. Thank you for the stories that are in this room of, of your love and your pursuit of the people in this room. God, we know that you have pursued this community. We know that there are beautiful stories of your love and its effect on us in this room. God, thank you for those stories. God, I pray for us as a community that we would respond to your love, asking the question, how can I love others the way that Jesus has loved me? God, graciously give us opportunities to practice patient endurance on behalf of others. God, give us opportunities uh, to use our power and influence uh, with truth and justice and for the good of your kingdom. Thank you for your presence in this space today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's speaking and moving. God, thank you for the fact that you go with us as we leave this place as well, that you are always with us. You are good. You are good, God. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.